Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Sometimes in life we try to figure out where we can place our money so we can get a greater return so that we can make more money. Well, you know, I believe that it is important that we invest in a physical and temporal sense to some degree. But what's more important is that we invest in eternal investments. About 10 years ago, I came across, or, or, or about, yeah, about 10 years ago, I came across this idea of putting bumper stickers or magnets on your car that had Bible verses. And so I got some of them, and when I was driving my awesome green Crown Victoria to high school, I didn't do this in high school, but after high school, I got all these bumper stickers and magnets and put them all over my car. People call my car the Bible Mobile. I remember going up to Indiana when I was going to Bible college up there, and we had one verse on there that said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not joking with you today. Somebody stole that magnet off the back of the vehicle. And I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, what does all this have to do with this passage? Well, if you look at verse number 15, verse number 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And about five to seven years ago, I came across these same company that made these magnets to put on your car, and they had reflective magnets so that when you're driving at night, people shine their lights on there, and then the words stick out like a sore thumb. And so I decided I was going to get a couple magnets like that. So I got one that said, if you died today, would you be in heaven or hell? And then I got another one, which that one is still on my car. I still have Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in my car. I had to buy another one, though. And I have a magnet called says, are you saved? But I also had another magnet on there that had this verse here. It said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Every time I come to this verse, I'm reminded of the fact that I can't remember where I was parked. Somewhere here in Roanoke or somewhere else, I had my car parked. And I had that reflective, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners on the back of my car. And I came out and I noticed that it was missing. Somebody stole that Bible verse from my car. And I had to come to grips to, in my prayer life saying, well, God, if somebody needed that Bible verse more than I did, they can have it. I say all that to say this, that today we are called to make eternal investments. And I, and I encourage you to do that. And one way that we can make eternal investments is from this passage. Look at verse number 11, uh, verse number 12. It says, and I thank Christ Jesus. Say thank on three. One, two, three. Thank. Today, the message is very simple. This passage, remember, Paul is writing to young Timothy, his disciple and convert in the faith. His, Paul is his mentor, and he's encouraging him. He is instructing him, and he is admonishing him in his new ministry opportunity and assignment at Ephesus. And here, Paul says he is thankful for Jesus Christ. Today, I want to label my thoughts with this statement. Thank God for all he's done for you. Thank God for all he's done for you. One of the greatest things we can thank God for is his word. You know, I was reminded this morning, in fact, I just want to encourage you, if you're not involved in Sunday school, here's what you missed this morning. Brother Joel said this thought, God's word is not man's creation, nor is it his imagination. Today, as we open this book of the Bible, we understand that it's not, it's not something that was made by man. It's not something that was just thought of by God. This is the inspired word of God. And also, Brother Joel said this, 
God is not jealous of us. He is jealous for us. Is that what you said? That's exactly what you said. So today, as we come to this passage, I am thankful that we have Sunday school teachers who teach the Word of God as it is to the people of God. What we need now today is men and women of all ages and stages who are grateful to God for all that they have and all that God does. I want to share this with you. Here's a key statement that if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with this thought. Be thankful for sound doctrine. Be thankful for sound doctrine. Today we live in an age where people just want to have their ears tickled. They want to go to somebody so that they can hear what they want them to hear and not somebody to open up the, the inspired text of God's Word and reveal what God's Word says about the matter. Church, today we stand where God stands, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that if you try to go up to heaven any other way, you're a thief and a robber, as Jesus said. Jesus said He is the Good Shepherd and He gives His life for the sheep. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross and He was buried in the grave in the tomb and He rose victoriously so that we could have life and have it more abundantly and we stand on that doctrine. And if that doesn't float your boat, you can go somewhere else and sail in the sea. Church, we understand that this is the Word of God. That Jesus is coming back again because His Word says He is. He said He was. That Jesus is going to rapture the church out of here. He's going to place His foot on the Mount of Olives. And thank God for that. I've stood on the Mount of Olives. I've looked out over at all that's going on in the Middle East. And I'm reminded that Jesus is coming again because His Word says it. Bible doctrine is important. By the way, Bible doctrine is the most important aspect of the local church. I said that last week and I'm going to say it every week until we're finished with this book. And what we are called to do is be thankful for sound doctrine. Are you thankful that you're part of a church that holds to the very word of God? That if God's word says something, we're going to stand with God's word. And that if man says something else about it, then we are going to say, let God be true and every man a liar. Well, maybe you're here this morning and you're unsettled about what you should be thankful for. Well, I want to share with you three ways we can be thankful from this passage. In verses 12 through 13, I wrote down, first of all, thank God because he has called us into the ministry. As I read verses 13 through 16, I wrote down, secondly, thank God because he has extended us his mercy. And then as I read verse 17, I wrote down, thirdly, thank God for his divine majesty. Will you come with me as we move through this passage together? Look at verse number 12. And remember, as I read, read verses 12 through 13, I wrote down this first thought, thank God he has called us into the ministry. Thank God he has called us into the ministry. Notice I said us. I didn't say me, myself, and I. Every one of us here this morning, God has a calling on your life. He has a calling on my life. No, not everybody's calling is to be a pastor. No, not everybody's calling is to be a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. But God has placed a calling on your life. And you have to answer that call. Look at verse 12. It says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I wrote down this thought. God enables those he calls to the ministry. Somebody once said, If God brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. Anyways, the God who calls is the God who equips. If God puts a calling on your life, then he is going to equip you for that task. 
You know why God hasn't called me to become, to become a mechanic? Because if I get underneath that bus, I have no idea what's going on. And that's why God has called some of you and placed that knowledge into your mind. See, there's things that you know that I, trust me, I don't know. But there's things that I know that you may not know. And today, we understand that where God calls, he's going to provide the capability and the ability to fulfill his calling in your life. Now, some of you here today, you've received God's calling. But there's some of you here today, you've rejected that calling or you've set it on the side. And I urge you, church, to receive it and to apply it to your life. He's enabled us. This word, enable, it literally means to strengthen and to empower and to make strong. Has there ever been a time in your life where you thought you were just as weak as weak could get? We've all been there. No matter what you go through, God enables you to get through it. He will give you the power from on high and the strength of Christ to journey through it. Thank God because he has called us into the ministry. I wrote down, God enables those he calls to ministry. As I read verse A, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me. But now look at the next phrase. It says, For that he counted me faithful. Say faithful out loud with me on three. One, two, three. Faithful. Say it again, please. Faithful. God not only enables those he calls to ministry, but God expects faithfulness from those he calls to ministry. Imagine. You experience the love bug. You've met the love of your life. And you're engaged. And you walk down the aisle on the day of holy matrimony. And you pledge the rest of your life to be faithful to that person. And imagine with me, on your honeymoon, you catch your spouse being unfaithful to you. How would that make you feel? Not very good, right? Well, now imagine this. We are like that in God's eyes when we are not faithful to the calling that God has placed in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls. God expects us to be faithful to the ministry he's called us to be. So I have a question for all of us today. Are we being faithful to the ministry God has called us? Have we been sidetracked? Have we taken some sidesteps? Have we took a detour in our life? It says, for that he counted me faithful. You see, Paul was a faithful man. He was so faithful to God that when people were stoning him to death and they left him for dead, that he still continued in the ministry and in kingdom work. When people reviled him, when people beat him, when people imprisoned him, he still was faithful to God. Today, as I think about my life, obviously, none of us here can compare our lives to Paul. And we can admire his faithfulness to God. As I read the last part of verse 12, I wrote down this. God exercises his sovereignty when he calls you to the ministry. God exercises his sovereignty when he calls you to the ministry. You see, some people have a gift to talk to people. You know, they got the gift of gab. And some of y'all, listen, trust me, I know y'all got it. <laughs> I talked to some of y'all on the phone, and listen, three hours later, I'm just now hanging up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but some of y'all here, probably including myself, we've got the gift of gab, especially if we are poked about certain subjects. It just bleeds out of our system. 
But I'm here to tell you something, that God is sovereign in all matters of life, especially how he calls you to the ministry. Before I ever realized that God was going to call me into the ministry, he already knew he had a plan for me. Before God saved you, before God called you, he knew your gifts and capability before Christ and after Christ. And he wants you to use that. He made you the way you are for a purpose. He made you to be used for his purpose and for his greater good. So don't let God's sovereignty be robbed from your life. Let God use you. Thank God because he has called us into the ministry. But now may I draw your attention to verses 13 and 14. These next verses, we find that, that Paul, in verse 12, he talks about how God enabled him, he, he, that he called him to be faithful, and he put him into the ministry. But then in verses 13 and 14, we are reminded about God's mercy. And so I wrote down, secondly, thank God because he has extended us mercy. Thank God because he has extended us mercy. Mercy, as you know, I know many of you are smart and intelligent, and we've talked about mercy before, but mercy simply means God extends to you something that you do not deserve. Let me tell you what I deserve today. I deserve to spend eternity separated from God in a devil's hell because I am a contaminated sinner, and I cannot be in the presence of God because of that. But God, in his mercy, saved me. It is according to his mercy that he saved us, not because of my works. Listen, my works are nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. Imagine going underneath your car and changing your oil, and that oil, the dirty, nasty oil, getting all over that white rag, and you can't clean that rag, and it is so filthy. It's a dirty rag, and imagine that's what God says our righteousness is in his, law, in, in his eyes. Today, I'm reminded here, look, it says, Paul was before a blasphemer. This means that he defamed the name of God. Not just with his words, but with his life. And it says he was a persecutor. If you go back and study the book of Acts, you'll see that in Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches his great sermon. He expounds and summarizes the entirety of the Old Testament. And then he be makes a beeline to Jesus and he says that you, the Jewish people, placed him on the cross. And he de delivered the resurrection of Christ and the gospel. And they took up stones and they stoned him. And he, he said, forgive them. And he commended his spirit up to God. And then in Acts chapter 8, we find that Saul, who also became Paul, was there consenting unto, unto Stephen's death. And so we, are, we believe, according to our understanding of the historical setting of the book of Acts, that the, that the man named Saul, who became the apostle Paul, was responsible for the death of Stephen. And many, many other Christians, in fact, we understand in Acts chapter 8 that he was on his way to Damascus. He was on the Damascus road going to Damascus, not to have a revival meeting, not to go preach Jesus, but to go kill and butcher Christians. And right here, he says by divine inspiration that Paul was a blasphemer and Paul was a persecutor. And that often meant killing Christians. But now we see the word injurious. It's not a word we use a lot. So I did some work. I looked it up. It means to be an insulter, to be a maltreater, to be despiteful. Not only did he blaspheme God and persecute Christians, but as he was there persecuting those Christians, he was insulting them and mistreating them and disrespecting them to the worst of our imaginations. As I read this verse, 
I wrote down this. God's mercy is greater than our sin. And I'm thankful for that. God's mercy is greater than our sin. But now look, it says, it says, it says, he was injurious, but, 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 but listen, imagine, there he's having trouble speaking because he's talking about how I killed people and, and I blasphemed God, God and, and I was disrespectful, I defamed people and, and, and was so harmful towards him, but, but, but I obtained mercy. When we understand that God's mercy saves us, we can't do anything else but to tell others about it. But I obtained mercy. How? Not because of his work, but because of God's work as he related to Titus in chapter 3, verse 5 of the book of Titus. He says, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Wow. God's mercy is greater than our sin. But now look at verse 14. As we move forward, it says, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Whenever you find the word mercy, in the scriptures, it's often connected with the word grace. And you know, we cannot separate God's mercy apart from his grace. And I want to read to you some lyrics of one of the hymns in our hymnal. It says, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold, threatened the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is a flowing and crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Marvelous grace, infinite grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Look at verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus Whenever you think about your salvation, you need to understand it was based upon the grace and mercy of God. Now look at verse 15. It says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is you and that is me. We are all sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as Savior, if you've never made peace with Almighty God, please, I urge you, do it before it's eternally too late. Get right with God before you have to spend eternity without God. But now look at the last part of verse 15. It says, of whom I am chief. The chief is like the man in charge. And he says, out of the man in charge of sin, I am the chief. He says, I'm the worst one. And so I wrote down this. If God can use the chiefest of sinners, he can use me. If God can use Paul, he can use Brian. If God can use Paul, he can use Mike. If God can use Paul, he can use Robbie. If God can use Paul, he can use Bobby. If God can use the Apostle Paul, he can use you and he can use me. And today, we are thankful because God has extended his mercy toward us. 
Verse 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. We've looked at how we have to thank God that he's called us into ministry and thank God because he has extended us his mercy. But now I want to share with you from verse number 17. Thank God because of his divine majesty. Thirdly and finally, thank God because of his divine majesty. Listen, thank God for all he's done for you. He's called you into the ministry. He saved you by his mercy, and he is the one who is full of divine majesty. Look at verse number 17. It just lays it out for us. It says, now unto the king eternal. I wrote down this. God is full of majesty because he is eternal. God never had a beginning, and God never had an ending. He is the Alpha and the Omega, as the scripture says. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the first and the last. And he is the Amen, the faithful and true witness. He is the eternal, almighty God. But now check it out. The Bible goes on to say, not only is this king eternal, but this king is immortal. <laughs> and old Herod and old Pilate, and all of them, they tried to kill this king, but death could not hold him. And on Sunday morning, give God the glory, he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and rose again. He cannot be killed because he is immortal. And that's why he rose from the grave. He's invisible. God is full of majesty because he is immortal, eternal, but also because he is invisible. Listen, just because you can't see God doesn't mean he's not there. <laughs> Did you hear about that atheist? He was challenging one of his students, and he said, listen, I know God's not there because I can't see him. And the student said, well, well, well Mr. Sir, um, we are going to declare that you don't have a brain because we can't see your brain. <laughs> wow. Sometimes we think we get so intellectual and so smart, but we need to understand he is the internal, immortal, invisible God. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he is at work in your life. But then check it out. The only wise God. God is full of majesty because he is all knowledgeable. He is the omniscient, all-knowing God. He is the omnipotent, all-powerful God. And he is the omnipresent, all-present God. He is everywhere at all times. He is all-powerful, more powerful than any other person or, or, or nation or any other decree in the world. And he is smarter than anybody with five PhDs, ten master's degrees, and four bachelor's degrees. He is. Because he knows everything. God cannot learn anything. He is the only wise God. So the next time somebody tries to talk about the false God they worship, understand that that God is nowhere near the splendor and majesty of the true and living God. But now check it out now. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, here it is, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I wrote down this. God is full of majesty because he is honorable. God is the one we honor today. Not me. Not Brother Wayne. Not Brother Matthew. Not Miss Tammy. Not the choir. Not... Brother Dave and Miss Tabitha or anybody involved in Vacation Bibles, today we honor one, and his name is Jesus. Because he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, 
And we need to thank Him because He is majestic. He is full of divine majesty. We need to thank Him because He has given us His mercy. And we need to thank Him because He has called each of us into the ministry. What are you thankful for today? Are you thankful for those three things, church? Be thankful for sound doctrine. When we open up the book of Timothy, we find that gratitude reigns supreme in these verses. And we would be extra foolish not to pause and thank God for all that he's done in our lives. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.